Hey everyone and welcome to episode number 25 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for joining us today. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, as we continue this week of celebrating our brand new partnership with Arena Australia, today's episode sees us head up to the Gold Coast to talk to Dolphins team member and World Championship gold medalist, Alex Graham. Had a great chat with Alex a few weeks ago and touched on how COVID-19 has affected him and his training, his career so far with all the lessons along the way, and of course, the amazing men's 4x200m freestyle relay from last year's World Champs where the boys, along with Alex, left South Korea with gold medals around their necks. So put your Ugg boots on, grab your blanket and get cosy because Ep25 with Alex Graham starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Nurten's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Phantom Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Phelps in the black hats, and Phelps has got it. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe's in front, Thorpe on the hall, Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Joining us today on the show is Australian team member who has made his debut in 2013. Since then, he's competed at World Champs, Com Games, Pam Packs, and all of these coming away with medals from each event. Training on the Gold Coast at Bond University, he's become a mainstay in the men's 4x200m freestyle relay, winning gold with the boys last year in South Korea. It is a very big welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. Alexander Graham. How are you, mate? Yeah, Robbie. Thanks for having me, mate. I'm good. Mate, what have you been up to today? Um, have, have you done much training? Have you have you been out and about? What have you been up to today? Mate, I've had a bit of a quiet uh, start to the day. Um, just had to go up to Brisbane briefly and do something up there, but I'm back on the Gold Coast now and, yeah, probably knock a little bit of training off this afternoon. Might go for a bit of a light run or a walk, but, yeah, kind of a quiet Tuesday for me usually. Now, mate, it's getting a bit fresh down here in Sydney, which is where I am. How's how's the weather on the Gold Coast? Is it nice? Mate, today it's a little bit overcast, but the weekend was absolutely beautiful. It was uh, getting a little bit colder kind of in the mornings and at night, but during the day it was blue skies, sunny, cool 23 degrees. Beautiful. And how's the water been like? Have you had much chance to get out and, and have a splash? Yes, I've actually been spending a bit of time in Melbourne, um, kind of when this news broke out uh, that they were shutting the borders and, you know, that he, the Olympics has been moved to next year. I made my way down to Melbourne, spent some time there with my family. So we only just got back up to the Gold Coast um, last Thursday night. So I was able to get into the ocean on Saturday morning and it was a little bit chilly, but I'm assuming it's going to get colder in the next few weeks. Yeah, you'll have to get the wetsuit out or something because it's, it's going to get very <laughs> fresh, that's for sure. Absolutely. Mate, you mentioned that you were down in Melbourne. What, what was that like, um, you know, being with your family, but also, I guess, being more cooped up and not having your normal routine? Obviously, it's brilliant to be with your family as we all get time to spend more time with our family now at home in isolation. But how have you been coping with sort of being out of routine? Mm, look, yeah, initially it was a little bit hard, but um, definitely took a couple of days to adjust. And, you know, obviously when we got the news, 
um, I was a little bit lost as to what to do. Um, so, yeah, as I said, it took a few days, but I think as I had that downtime to reflect, you know, I felt like I've been so fit leading into this year and I've been kind of in the best shape of my life. So I didn't really want to throw that all away and, you know, have to come back to the pool in you know, however long and have it be such a hard slog. So I actually got myself into a really good routine down at home um we had a spin bike there and i set up like a little home gym so i uh turned out to be working out still maybe two to three hours a day and purely doing that because there was actually not a whole not lot else, else i could do, do. so yeah. <laughs> exactly right mate talk to me about how you guys have stayed connected with with your coach with your team have you been you know doing regular uh catch-up meetings stuff like that yeah yeah so um obviously rich has been really good with us um we've kind of have catch-up meetings every week. Um, yeah, just, you know, not to talk about swimming or anything, just to, you know, have a general chit-chat because, yeah, I find myself missing missing my squad mates quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, and then we do a, like a group workout over the Zoom yep. um, on Saturday morning. So that's been, yeah, pretty successful as well. Mate, does it stay professional, those Zoom, those Zoom meetings? Because I know you can change the background, you can have a bit of fun with it. Does it have to stay or does Rich let you have a bit of free reign to put some funny backgrounds behind? Yeah, mate. It's, uh, it's never too professional in our squad. Everyone's <laughs> always joking around with each other and doing all that. So, yeah, we never like to keep it too super serious. Mate, a lot of people out there at the moment, uh, you know, are trying to do their, their their workouts at home, their dry land programs, or jumping in the backyard pool, or going for a splash at the beach, whatever it might be. Everyone's trying to find that new normal that you talked about before. Give us a little insight into into your week as such, from say a Monday to Saturday, in terms of training. Are, are you very specific and and have certain days in which you need to get things done, or are you a little bit more relaxed in sort of saying? A little bit like I spoke to Michael Klim the other day and he was kind of just going, mate, as long as I stay active each day, I'm happy. Mm. No, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot more relaxed. Uh, I've kind of been lucky that um, Rich and my strength and conditioning coach, uh, they've put up a little program and so it's called the Team Builder app. So mm -hmm. I can just log on, log on there every day and see what they've got planned for me. So... I actually don't have to do a whole heap of thinking myself, which, you know, works out for me. But, um, yeah, it's it's very, you know, there's no set structure every week. I think every week's kind of different and that's kind of the goal as well. They want to keep it fresh and not so we're doing the same repetitive thing. So, yeah, pretty similar to Klimi is, you know, just getting out and doing something kind of every day. But, yeah, kind of throughout the weeks it has been different. Mate, you touched on it before uh, and how you mentally dealt with the fact that the Olympics got pushed back. Um, did it take very long for you to sort of adjust your, your train of thought? And have you since then, you know, I guess had a bit more of a relaxed view now knowing that pretty much no one's training at the moment and everyone's in mm. the same boat? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, I think I might have mentioned before, but when I honestly, when I got the news, I was completely shattered and purely for the reason that I'd got myself in such good shape and in probably the best mental state I've been in in my career. You know, I was so focused and driven towards this one thing that I've wanted my whole swimming career. And, you know, at the time it was kind of uncertain as to whether that was even going to go on. But um, I, th I guess it took a few days to, you know, really mentally switch and think about, the, you know, the positives that have come out of it. And I guess, you know, some of those are the fact that, 
I do have more time um, to get myself, you know, in probably even I can even try and push to be in better shape than what I was. Mm. Um, so yeah, look, it did take definitely took a couple of days, but yeah, right now I'm extremely positive about it. Now, mate, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek question. Is there anyone on the Australian team or maybe on the Bond team um, that you wouldn't want to get stuck in isolation with? <laughs> Look, mate, the, uh, the apartment I live in on the Gold Coast is quite small. Yeah. So and <laughs> this, this person that I have in mind, just you know, honestly, I've roomed with him before mm-hmm. and he just kind of like walks around naked and farts all the time. Yeah, and that's James, Robert, that's James Roberts. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely wouldn't want, to, wouldn't want to be stuck with him for a few yeah, weeks. <laughs> not too many days. No, not at all. Now, mate, listen, I want to take you back. I want to take you back to a, a young Alex uh, growing up and, and starting in the pool back in Victoria. I know you're born in, in Brisbane, but not long after that, you, you went down and um, grew up in Victoria. What are your earliest memories of, of swimming back in Melbourne? Yeah, so it's, um, I've, I feel like I've always been swimming. Um, it's like learn to swim programs, obviously, and then a little bit of squad swimming. And I have two older sisters, so um, I always kind of used to run around after them and do what they were doing as well. So um, I guess my, you know, I started off swimming at M1 Swimming Club mm-hmm. under like Bev Tate and then Mark Tate and Greg Tate there. And... Um, yeah, I think my first race would have been a club night there and I had to do like a 25-metre butterfly, but I got to wear fins. Mm-hmm. And I just I just remember the feeling of going so fast yeah. in that race and just yeah. really, really, really loving it. So I think, yeah, that's kind of the earliest memory I have from that. But then um, kind of moved on to uh, a coach that has had a massive influence in my life, and that's Gene Jackson. Um that was when I moved schools to St. Kevin's College there in Melbourne. Yep. Um, and he was running the school program there. And I think, uh, yeah, you know, he just kind of saw something in me at the time. And, yeah, it took me under his, his wing, obviously. And, yeah, kind of created the swimmer that I am today for sure. Did you have any heroes growing up, mate? Did, were there any swimmers that you looked up to? Um, honestly, I, I didn't re- actually follow swimming a whole heap. Um, obviously, I would watch the, you know, Olympic Games and be impressed by that and stuff. And obviously I have good memories of Thorpey in Athens in 04 mm. um, and Grant watching Grant Hackett break world records as well and Michael Klim too and all those guys. But, um, yeah, I guess, you know, someone that has probably had a big influence. It's a hard question. It is actually a hard question to ask me because I, I always I – always, struggle to pinpoint one swimmer um but if i would have to pick someone it actually would be michael klim and that is purely purely because klimmy actually had the same age group coach in gene jackson as i did so gene used to talk about michael a lot and what he was capable of in training and you know i would always try and push myself to that level as well and he actually came in one session this session with us and i just remember being kind of starstruck so yeah it would it would have to be klimmy i think Mate, along those lines in terms of, you know, uh, sports and growing up, did you play any other sports? Uh, or did, did you do anything outside of swimming? And if so, did you have any sort of heroes growing up from those sports that you looked up to? Mm, yeah, for sure. I was a bit of a sport fanatic when I was a kid, so uh, I played pretty much everything. So I did a bit of tennis and I played AFL quite seriously there for a little bit and cricket as well I really loved, um, a bit of basketball. But... um. 
Yeah, look, I'm a Collingwood fanatic okay. uh, in, AF, in AFL and yeah. someone that I really loved watching was Nathan Buckley. And yeah, so I think he's kind of a bit of a someone that I look up to as well, really. Yeah, nice. Mate, what were some of the biggest challenges uh, for a young Alex to overcome in training? Was it, you know, so many off, uh, so many kids at the moment, well, not at the moment because we're not in the pool, but <laughs> when we were in the mm-hmm. pool, um, you know, struggle with their kick sessions or pool sessions or, you know, maybe it was underwater or your starts and or your turns. Was there anything that, you know, as you grew up, there was there was really a struggle with to try and overcome those things? Um. When I was younger, probably not so much. I think my coach, G, never really tended to harp on the, the small things. He just wanted me to get in the pool and go as fast as I possibly could. Um, and I guess as I have gotten older, there's definitely now things that I can focus on. And I think that's the difference between being a junior swimmer and a senior swimmer is, you know, when you turn into a senior swimmer, you're trying to find, you know, tenths of a second anywhere you can um, to get your time down. Mm. And that's when those skills definitely come in. And I do a lot of work on my starts and turns right now. But definitely when I was a kid, um, it was all I wanted to do was just get in the water and swim as fast as I can. And I think that was the that was the goal every session. Mate, along those lines of, you know, finding the little um, things to, to improve on to, to get your times faster, uh, there would have been some stages through your career that you were trying to make those national teams, junior teams. Talk to me about some of the things that you might have had to change outside of the pool in terms of, you know, your preparations, you know, getting things right. Maybe it was nutrition. Maybe it was your prehab stuff. Maybe it was rehab stuff. Was there anything along those lines that you needed to learn? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and again, when I say like, you know, as an age group swimmer, um, I never really focused on that too many of those things. Um, I used to just, yeah, get in and go as hard as I can and try and hit the wall first. But um, as I've gotten older now, you know, I, I do have to look at those little things. And I think nutrition has been one thing that I've had to look at and really watch um, everything that I'm doing around that. And I think that's something that's helped me get into such good shape this year was that nutrition component. Have you? How have you seen that help? So obviously, you say you've made some changes nutritional wise. What what benefit mm. have you seen from that? I think it's just the energy it brings um, that you can take into every training session. Um, I'm finding it helps with recovery a lot more. Um, you know, it's keeping my weight down. It's yeah. helping me become a bit leaner and you know use those man muscles that I'm starting to get now that I'm 25 <laughs> years old. You know, so yeah, yeah. mate, I want yeah. to get a bit more specific with nutrition. But what what weren't you good at in terms of what were the bad foods that you were probably having too much of, and what sort of are you getting into now in terms of the good stuff that's been helping you? Yeah, so I've I've never really been like a bad eater. I think um, obviously I would you know kind of treat myself to some junk food every now and again. Like I'm a pretty big fan of KFC, so when <laughs> I need to treat myself. Yeah. When I need to treat myself. I'll do that, but yeah, that's definitely something I've had to cut out and really think about and. Um, I think it's also just, honestly, some stuff that I never really knew before, but timing of meals mm-hmm. and some, like, if I'm having the right portion of carbohydrates before a big training session and what time do I need to eat those things as well. I think that's the main thing rather than the actual food that I'm eating. Yeah, nice. Mate, 2013 World Champs Barcelona, make your first team. Uh, must have been a pretty big 
moment for you and a big trip and a, a beautiful um, country over there, by the way. I've been over there myself mm. and it is gorgeous. How was that meet for you on your first team and did anyone take you under their wing and, and look after you? Yeah, it was, um, it was certainly an interesting experience, this one. Um, as I mentioned before, when I was a junior swimmer, all I wanted to do was just get in and race as fast as I could and hit the wall first. And I did have that aspect of um, not holding back and having no fear. But I honestly, that kind of changed when I made that senior team as, you know, I wasn't aiming to make that team and I ended up fifth in the 200 free at uh, the World's Trials that year. So I snuck onto a relay. And I think my mindset just kind of changed a little bit. I didn't really know how to handle myself in a senior team. Um, and, you know, when you're going through the juniors, it's quite, you know, you know that, yeah, I've got the talent to be here and all that stuff. And I guess going into that senior team environment, I actually second-guessed myself, you know, and there were people on the team that were world champions, you know, Olympic champions, stuff like that. So I think I obviously felt a bit out of my depth there. And, um I think we got into that heat in the marshalling room of the 4 by 203 and I just remember absolutely being so nervous and putting so much pressure on myself that I didn't really enjoy the experience. Mm. And I think my teammates actually saw that happening as well and obviously they were kind of trying to calm me down and just tell me to, you know, enjoy the experience. But, um, yeah, obviously I didn't have the best swim there. I went I know, a couple seconds over my PB in the 203 and... Honestly, I just felt like a complete failure. Mm. I felt like I had let the team down and let, you know, not just the 4 by 200 boys down, but let the whole Australian team down. Yep. And, yeah, I took a massive confidence hit from that meet. Um, and I think it showed for the years to come that I couldn't really get that back. Um, and I ended up missing 2014, 2015 and 16. And they were all actually by small margins, I think, it was extremely hard and difficult for me to get that confidence back in my racing. Um, but yeah, so it kind of all stemmed from that. And it's a bit of a shame that I had that experience. Um, but yeah, you know, looking back on it, yeah, I'm, you know, definitely a better swimmer, you know, mentally now. And yeah. I guess we'll talk about that if you. Yeah, no, 100%. In a second, but, now, mate, let's. You mentioned there, obviously, missing 2014, 15, 16, and, and it was a bit of a mental uh, lapse from you, obviously, after, you know, the world champs in Barcelona. What sort of things did you need to work on? And we'll get to it in a second that you, you did make the team in 2017 for Hungary. But for those sort of three years in between, mentally, you know, what was the struggles for you trying to, to get up and, and try and make those teams again? Yeah, look, um, when I got back from that 2013 team, I honestly didn't even know if I wanted to swim anymore. Um, I was, yeah, as I said, I was second-guessing myself and I thought, look, maybe this is just isn't for me. Um, and, you know, my, me and my coach, Gene, at the time, really worked hard to try and get back there. But um, we obviously just missed 2014. I think at that point in time, I was looking at changing up what I needed to do because the program that I was in, I was – it was a high school program and I didn't have that many people to train with. Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was trying to surround myself with other athletes that I could feed off and learn off. And I eventually got that when I came to Bond and I had the likes of Cam McAvoy to look up to. And I know Tommy Fraser Holmes was in the squad as well at that point in time and a New Zealand swimmer, Matt Stanley. And I really used those boys to see what they were doing in training and, you know, see what I can do 
to better myself as well. So I think that was the major thing for me was, yeah, getting myself into a, an environment where I could learn off other people. But you mentioned the change there in environment, and obviously it was a positive one because 2017 you make the team again and, and you go to Hungary in the 200 freestyle. How were you different this time around from, say, four years you know, prior in Barcelona? And was there any sort of lessons that you learned that you took into that one in Hungary? Or were you still sort of, was that another learning experience where you, you know, you went through some ups and downs through there as well? Mm, no, for sure. It was definitely a learning experience. And I think I approached that meet a lot differently than what I did in 2013 in the sense that I would such a massive appreciation for being back on the Australian team, having missed the last three teams. Um, that I thought that, look, I'm just going to go out here and enjoy the experience and, you know, you know, just try and execute my race to the best of my ability. And that was a that was an interesting one, actually, because we actually did a the Mare Nostrum tour before that. So we ended up being away for about eight weeks. And, yeah, nice. So that was certainly interesting. Um, and maybe I didn't end up having the best preparation leading into Worlds. And that's a learning experience as well. So I didn't have the best swim there, but I kind of got to – sit back like after I came back to Australia and analyze the little things that I did over there. And yeah, I guess, you know, try and adapt my training to the stuff that I, the lessons that I took from that. Mm. Mate, question without notice. You mentioned there the, the men Ostrom tour and, and touring over there for eight weeks. How difficult is it for an elite athlete who's overseas in some gorgeous countries, brilliant, you know, um, nightlife and, and all that sort of stuff? It's a serious question, though, because I, I myself mm. like to get out and have a drink and enjoy um, the nightlife at times. Is it difficult or is it a matter of, you know, you're there to do a job, so you've got to do it? But I mean, it must be hard when you look around and you're in, you know, Spain or Italy or France or wherever you were to know that you probably couldn't get out as much as you wanted to. Yeah, I look, <laughs> it's a funny one because I think this is where my, my lessons came from was mm. the fact that I probably did too much exploring. Yep. Um, I probably wasn't really behaving like an elite athlete when I was over there. Um, so I guess that's what I kind of learned and I've kind of looked back on that and been like, okay, well, if I want to, you know, become the best possible athlete I can be, I've got to make certain sacrifices and maybe I didn't sacrifice enough that tour and the results showed. Yeah. And now in the years to come, I have started to do that a lot more and, you know, started to become a bit more of a professional athlete and I think the results are starting to flow now. So definitely lessons learned from, from that tour surrounded around that, I think. I was talking to Andrew Lauderstein the other day, um, and he said he did this, the same tour as well um, back in the day, and uh, and I mentioned the same sort of question to him, because as I sit here talking to you, I'm sitting in my bar area, and I'm surrounded by shot glasses from all around the world um, <laughs> of where I've been and where other people have gone. So, like, I, yeah, as I said, I don't know how you guys are obviously a lot <laughs> more mentally switched on than I am, but he had said... Um, it was difficult for him as well, but also one thing that he he did was he made sure maybe at the end of the tour there was one week where he could just sort of enjoy himself a bit. So he knew that mm. was always coming up rather than um, feeling like he was missing out the whole time. Yeah. Uh, no, for sure. And, I, and I'm kind of the same way. And, and after that tr uh, that trip as well, I stayed in Hungary for another week with one of my friends and, yeah, blew off some steam there. So it's certainly important to... You know, have those little things outside of the pool that you can focus on as well. Mm. 
Mate, give us a little insight into your 200-metre freestyle race plan. So, obviously, you and, and Rich get together and, and work it out, and maybe he sort of leads it a little bit more, or maybe as you get older now, you're leading that conversation a bit more in what works for you. But give us a little insight into, you know, your race plan and how you go about putting together your 200. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly something that um, I feel like is constantly developing for me. Um, I know when I was younger – my coach talked about having that like last lap being super fast. And so my race plan back when I was about an 18 year old was to take the first 50 out hard and then kind of ease back in the middle hundred and then come back as hard as I can in that last 50. Mm. That worked for me to an extent, but um, you know, now that I'm a bit older and start, I start to think about things a bit differently. So I can see the people who I'm up against and the, some of the people that I have to race in the world. And, you know, it's, funny because you've got people like Kyle, Kyle Chalmers is a hundred meter um, and he has an awesome back end and then Mac Horton who will, he's an amazing back end swimmer as well. Yeah. So, you know, I, I tend to use my speed that I have from the hundred cause I'm, you know, I've got quite a fast hundred as well and I try and take it out kind of, you know, I want to be around 50, 50 points, something, something that, you know, I watched Clyde Lewis at the 2019 World Championships and the way he swam that, and that's very yeah. kind of similar to the way I want to swim in 200 free as well. It's just yeah. go out, go out like a rocket, and you know. But at the moment, you know, I was trying to work on being fit enough that I can come home fast as well. So, yeah, it's kind of the way I've been trying to swim the 200s uh, the, these days. So, hey, what about you? Mentioned there the hundred, and you obviously enjoy that as well, and um, getting in the splash. Um, Splash for cash, I was going to say. I don't know why I said splash for cash. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. You mentioned the 100, though. Give me a little insight into your race plan for the 100. Yeah, I've actually been working a bit on my 100, and um, the things things in that I've been working on have just been about um, my stroke rate. Yeah. Um, I tend to have quite a low stroke rate. So in the 100, Rich and I have been working on getting that up a bit more. So, you know, I'm sitting higher in the water. Um, and I can get out faster that first 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, this is where my turn work is coming in as well and just kind of hitting that turn and, you know, putting the pressure on that last 50 as well. And we've been working a lot on a bit more aerobic and endurance stuff, and I think that really, really helps with 100 um, as well because, you know, that back end is so important, um, especially these days with the blokes that are racing the 100. That is a big focus. So, Yeah. Hey, while we're getting the insights here, talk to me about your, your pre-race routine. Do you have any? Um, do you have things that you need to do in terms of rituals? Do you stay pretty chill? Do you get pumped up? How are you before you race? Um, I like to keep pretty relaxed. I don't like to be overstressed, and that's a bit of a mental thing for me. Um, you know, I'll just – I don't like to stick to a certain routine, or I don't really have that many rituals or anything like that. But, you know, I'd get to the pool maybe an hour – hour and a half, two hours before I need a race, so I can just chill out for a little bit there before I start doing some activation stuff. And I'll be listening to some, uh, some tunes uh, while I do that. Mm-hmm. So getting a little bit pumped up and then, yeah, doing my warm-up, going through the routine there. And, yeah, kind of just once I – when I'm getting my suit on, I'll put some music on as well, but, and then I'll take the headphones off and then head over to the marshalling room. You mentioned the tunes there. What, what's on your pre-race playlist? What do you got? Yeah, look, it's kind of a different variety of things. Um, you know, last year I'm 
kind of into King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I'm not sure if you've heard of that band, but no, I have, I have not. <laughs> but I, I'm going to write that down because I will check this out after. <laughs> yeah, and so I've been listening to their uh, one of their most recent albums, which is kind of a bit more of a heavy metal kind of rock album. So where are they that's from? Been, yeah, they're actually a Melbourne-based band. Oh, okay, nice. Um, yeah, and they're kind of dropping new albums all the time. So this one they've done. Yeah, it was a particular favourite of mine. Mm-hmm. So more into, say, you know, rock music and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. I definitely used to be um, a little bit more of like a house music type man before I race, but yeah. I find this, yeah, the rock music that I've been listening to really gets you fired up and excited and ready to go. So, yeah, it's good. Hey, Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast 2018, uh, massive meet for you. Uh, first, let's talk about the crowd or the atmosphere. Was it something you had to adjust to? Um, and, and, you know, try and stay focused or did you sort of embrace it and use it to your advantage? Yeah, well, no, it definitely was. And I know that we had our trials there um, and the crowd there I thought was really good. But, you know, I distinctly remember getting off the bus and coming in for the day one of the Commonwealth Games meet and just being able to see and hear the buzz of the crowd was, you know, gave me goosebumps as soon as I got off the bus. And I think... Initially, it probably put a little bit too much pressure on myself, and I think that kind of saw in the um, individual 200 result. Um, you know, I, was, I made the final, which was awesome, but I think I went a time, you know, that I could have done a lot better. I could have executed the race plan a lot better, and I think, you know, I might have got a little bit um, psyched out with the crowd and, you know, putting a bit too much pressure on myself there again. Um, and, yeah, I think I... A couple of days later, I let off in the relay uh, and did a faster time than my individual. And I think, yeah, it did take, it took me a couple of days to actually adjust. And I realized that in myself. I was like, look, you've probably put too much pressure on yourself here. Maybe you just need to go out and enjoy the moment rather than, you know, keeping your headphones on and worrying about the crowd and worrying about who else is in the race. And, yeah. you know, I ended up doing a faster time. So I think that worked. But you mentioned there individually you, you just missed out on the medals and you still did okay, you still did pretty well, but obviously the relay is, is where you uh, really enjoyed some success and your boys brought in the gold games record, massive moment for you, the team. How do you look back on that? And, and obviously a massive moment standing on the dais with the boys singing the national anthem. Yeah, no, it was awesome, um, especially having it on the Gold Coast. Um, I'd been living up here for a a few years now, and I was fortunate enough to have my whole family in the stands, being my mum and dad and my two older sisters. So that was something that was seriously special for me and, you know, it's something that I'm going to cherish you know, for the rest of my life. And that definitely helps when, you know, you can look up in the crowd and see your family. And I had a few of my friends there as well. So, yeah, you know, it was very special. Sort of a national anthem singer, are you? Are you one of the ones that just mouths it while everyone else sings around them or do you punch it out? <laughs> Um, I'm a bit of both, you know, if I can hear, I'm an absolutely terrible singer, so I can, I don't want to put everyone off and I don't want to ruin the, I don't want to ruin the national anthem for everyone else. So well, see, yeah, I, I would have thought, just... mate, that would have been a perfect moment to punch it out because the crowd would have been, <laughs> they would have been firing. It would have been massive. No one would have heard you. That would have been a perfect time to just belt it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. So maybe I'll have to do that <laughs> if we're, we're up there next year, hopefully. You know, um, just saying that reminded me of um, when you, I don't know if you have ever done this or anyone listening might have done this, but when you're driving in the car with people and, and you've got a song on that everyone's singing along to and you hear someone in the back that's really pumping it out because everyone's singing along <laughs> and then you just stop it though 
and then they keep <laughs> singing really loud. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's bloody hilarious to do so. <laughs> that just reminded okay. me, just just thinking of like you, Alex, like singing the national anthem, really pumping it out, and then everything else stopped, and there you are, just singing loudly. Anyway. It's not a bad trick. I might have to uh, give that a go one day. <laughs> Mate, following the Com Games and the Gold Coast, uh, you know, you go on a pretty good run that year and you, you go to Pan Parks, you go World Short Course Champs and you have um, a bit of success throughout all of that too. Um, mm. What do you put that down to? Is it about, you know, more being race ready, race, you know, a lot of race practice there, having more opportunities to race on a, on a big stage? By this stage, are you just a bit more experienced and mature? What do you put that year down to? I mean, you, you did have some success there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think that every meet that I went to, um, I, I did have some success. And I think that builds your confidence back up as well. Um, and they were all very different meets. I remember Pan Packs, I just wanted to get my shot at swimming another individual race and kind of executing my race plan to my the best of my ability. And, um, you know, I gained some vital experience from that meet. And then I, yeah, went to World Short Course that year. And, that was different again because I hadn't raced, you know, a short course meet fully tapered before and, uh, you know, I kind of did the 200 free heat there and blew my PB out of the water and, mm. you know, and then in the final I came away with a bronze medal. So you gain experience and confidence from that again and then, yeah, kind of building into that 2019, the exact same thing, you know, I'm kind of feeding off these experiences that I've had in the past and, you know, it's helping my confidence um, as I move forward in my career. Well, mate, definitely, you know, 2019 World Champs, South Korea, big year for you, big meet for you. Um, on the whole, you know, across the board, I think, you know, you came away with uh, three medals from from each relay. Um, and obviously the main one was the gold and the 4 by 2 Clyde Lewis, Mac Horton, Kyle Chalmers, yourself. Um, what, what an experience for you. That's obviously something that um, you look back on fondly. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think, you know, we've had such a good depth in Australian 200 freestyle swimming for the last few years now that, you know, every time we get a team together, we just want to, you know, go out there and you know, produce something pretty special that we know we can do. And maybe it's taken us a few years to kind of get that experience of racing together. Uh, so I know the last few years we've kind of had the same group of guys that have been racing um, the 4 by 2 together and racing each other in, you know, domestic meets and, I think it helps that you know we're all such good mates as well and when we get up there and we're putting the gold cap on for our country we you know we're all kind of backing each other and we know that we can do it and uh i think that kind of yeah we just came together last year and we had a team there that yeah we knew we could do something special and i think that kind of realization came for me personally um when i was i mentioned before clyde lewis is 200 free when he went 144 um I was up in the stands that night and I've never been so pumped to see a swim, mm. um, you know, because Clyde's a good mate of mine uh, for that reason. For the second reason was that I knew that we had a really, really good chance of producing something special in the 4x2 um, after I saw that. So, yeah, it was yeah, pretty special experience. Mate, what do you like in the marshalling area with the team? So, obviously, we, we mentioned before that, um, you know, you went through some years where you were, you know, battling with some nerves and just trying to get your arousal levels right and all that sort of stuff. When you're in the, in the you know, um, in the room with the boys before, before this race, uh, are you a lot more cool, calm and collected now? Are you guys having a chat? Are you just more relaxed? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think... It's funny um, being in a marshalling room for a relay because obviously 
there's four guys there um, and we're all on the same team, but, you know, each person has a different kind of way for them to get ready uh, for a race. Mm. Um, so I guess we just, you know, we're making sure we sit together. Um, there is a little bit of banter going on. We try and keep things pretty lighthearted. Um, but at the same time, you know, if we've got to respect each one of us, you know, may have something that we need to do personally to get ourselves ready for that race. So, yeah, we do that as well. But, you know, it is mostly lighthearted and, yeah, we're pumping each other up. We're giving ourselves a, you know, slap on the bums and stuff like that. So, yeah. Now, what about the other countries? Give me an insight into them. Are there any crazy countries that are slapping each other and doing <laughs> star jumps and all sorts of stuff? Are there people who are just sitting there and, and not talking at all and looking at people weirdly? Or are there people, do, like, obviously, you know, um, in the men's uh, side of things, is there anyone sort of trying to puff their chest out and assert their dominance in there? What's it like from the other guys? No, I've never really experienced anything like that. I think, you know, most of the teams are similar to us where, you know, you're kind of just getting around your teammates and you're letting them do whatever they need to do. But, you know, I have heard some some interesting stories of some international athletes, yeah, beating their chest and, you know, getting in other people's faces, but I've never personally experienced anything like that. That would be fun. I mean, I don't know what – I think I'd just laugh at someone if they ever did that to me. I don't know about myself, but – oh, I'd, I'd, I'd be exactly the same, I think. I, <laughs> Wouldn't take them seriously, sir. No, not at all. Mate, talk to me about your coach, Richard Scarce. What's he like as a coach? Um, what's he done for you in, in terms of your swimming career? And give us a little insight into what we might not know about Richard and what only you guys get to see on pool deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard's certainly uh, an interesting coach and you know, I have so much respect and admiration for the way he um, – takes us as athletes and he brings so much energy to the pool deck. Um, and, you know, it makes you want to perform as well. So, you know, sometimes, some days you, you don't want to train, you don't want to, you get up or you've had, haven't had enough of a night's sleep the night before and you're tired, but Rich is always someone that's coming into training and he's upbeat and he's running up and down pool deck and he's getting you fired up. And, you know, that's something I really love. And I love that energy that he brings. Um, Cause yeah. And you can just tell that he's so invested in, you know, making it, Making us better as athletes. Bless me. Sorry, mate. Uh, bless you. <laughs> I hold, I've been trying to hold that in for about five minutes. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, that's all right. Um, but, yeah, as I was saying, it's just the energy that he brings and the investment that he ha- that he has. And I think everyone can quite clearly see how invested he is in making us better athletes and getting the best out of ourselves. So. I guess the positive with with Rich being so upbeat and having such you know high energy levels when you're coming in is not, you know that when you come in you've got to match that otherwise you're gonna you know not not sort of perform in that session you've got to step up and be ready to rumble. Yeah, exactly right. You know there are some days when you know I'm, I'm can be fairly grumpy every now and again and you know he's getting he's getting up in my grill. I'm yeah. just thinking to myself, geez, Rich, you need it. <laughs> Just give me a break here for a minute, thanks, yeah. mate. But you know, most of the time, it's yeah, it's all pretty lighthearted and fun. It's good. Hey, talk to me about what you get up to away from the pool. Obviously, we're not in the pool at the moment, but you know, when we are in full training and you've got your your sessions every week, what do you when you can get away from the pool and away from swing? What do you, what do you like to get up to? Yeah, so um, I guess on the weekends when when I get the majority of my time to myself, but I usually like to you know I spend a lot of time with my mates. I have a good good friendship group and you know we catch up all the time and um you know just go whatever it may be go hang out at the beach um doing a bit of body surfing or something like that 
Um, other than that, I've just um, started my master's degree at uni last year, so that kind of keeps me busy when I'm studying. Um, got that good kind of balance now where I can, yeah, get some work done and that takes my mind off the swimming pool as well and challenges me in different areas. So, What are you doing your master's in? Uh, I'm doing my master's in business. So I'm doing an MBA at the moment and, yeah, I'm kind of just doing a one subject at a time and ticking that away. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly challenging me and I'm finding it really enjoyable. Obviously, you've got a bit more time on your hands now to get stuck into it with the, with the you know, the business side of things. When you're actually training, though, and, and it's full on, how do you find trying to balance uni and, and, and swimming? Yeah, well, that's exactly what it is, really. It's a balance, and um, it can be quite challenging sometimes um, you know, because when training is full on, you're quite fatigued all the time. I find myself you know, not wanting to stay up and read a textbook or stay up and write something that I, that I need to do. So I think that this year I actually wasn't, I studied in the first semester and, you know, I probably underestimated how hard we'd be going in the pool. So I struggled a little bit with that. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't going to study for this middle semester, but now that, that this has kind of happened, this COVID situation, that, you know, it's given me a chance to probably knock off a few subjects and, yeah, focus in, on other areas. But, yeah, look, it is, it is a balancing act and I think everyone's different to, you know, the way they can handle that and, yeah, I usually only do one subject at a time when I'm in full training. So, you know, it's kind of just a small part of my life then. And when training's not so full on, it will become a bigger part of my life. Yeah, nice. Mate, when you hang up your togs, and, and I'm not implying that that should be anytime soon, you, you still have many, <laughs> many years left in the tank. But when you do, have you put much thought into, you know, where life might take you and what you want to get stuck into down the track? Um, look, I think about it every now and again, but at the same time, um, I'm not – 100% sure what I really want to be doing. Um, you know, I've had some different experiences in different areas and, you know, I haven't really found anything yet that, you know, I'm super passionate about. Um, but I'm sure, you know, once I get the chance to, you know, dig into something outside of the pool and um, get some of those new experiences and some different fields, then I'll start to kind of find my way, I think. All right. Now, mate, listen, I'd like to finish our chats with – bit of fun stuff and, and it's a way for, for me to give our audience a little bit more of an insight into the Australian team. Um, and what I like to do is I'll give you the beginning of a sentence and then I want you to tack on the end of it the name of someone within the Australian team that best suits it. So, for example, there's a question on here that, you know, funniest person on the team is and then you'll add in, you know, whoever you want to add in. That's up to you. So, <laughs> We'll get started. I've already given away the first one. The, who's the funniest person on the Australian team? <laughs> it's got to be the big goofballs, I can say, I think. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I mentioned to you earlier, we, we had a chat uh, last week, and uh, yeah, he's a funny, funny man. <laughs> Mate, what about the biggest pest on the team? Biggest pest? Well, I'd almost have to put my my own name up for that one, but I might have to say uh, Kyle Chalmers is a bit of a pest. Bit of a pest. And Kyle, I'll have to get him on soon and give him the right of reply to that. Um, <laughs> hey, what about the leader or leaders of the team? Um, I think, you know, that kind of changes for everyone. Everyone, you know, sees them different types of leadership within different people. But um, I've, someone I've always looked up to as a leader has been Tom Fraser-Holmes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, a good, he's a good mate of mine and, you know, I 
tend to lean on him for some ideas when I need to, and yeah. Yeah, mate, top bloke, not a bad one to lean on, that's for sure. Uh, mm. Best singer or dancer on the team? <laughs> now, mate, I'm sure you've been on some nights out after a few of the championships. Have you seen anyone cutting a rug? Oh, yeah, I've actually seen... That's the best answer is definitely Brad Woodward because he likes to take his shirt off and Does he? <laughs> do a little bit of groove. So, yeah, he's the, he's the man for that one. <laughs> Puts on a bit of a show, Brad. I wish I'd known. I'd spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. I wish I'd known that. I would have teed him up for that and seen how he goes. Um, mate, what about, obviously, you mentioned before uh, Tommy Fraser Holmes. Who else gives you the best advice on the team? Is there anyone else? Um. Yeah, I tend to, you know, look towards people like the Campbells, like Bronte and Kate, um, wherever it's on the leadership group together, um, and people like Mitch and Jess. So I'm always looking the um, towards those uh, few guys for mm-hmm. advice and, you know, a bit of direction as well. So, yeah. Mate, last one here. You've been to a few different countries uh, with, with all the touring and, and different championships you've been to. What's your favourite country that you've visited? Um, I really, I'm a huge fan. We went and did the Seti Coli meet in 2017 in Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, and that place, yeah, was super beautiful. And I got to do a little bit of exploring there. So that's definitely up there. Made a hundred percent. I've, um, I've been there twice, luckily. And, um, I can, that's my second favorite. Well, then Australia, I always say Australia is my favorite place to, to be, but, um, absolutely could be anywhere else, mate, Rome. I remember once I sat just outside the Coliseum, it was like, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night. This could be just me being a weirdo, but I just <laughs> sat there just looking at it going, wow, what like in awe. Mm. No, it is a super imp- impressive place and there's so much history there as well. So I think that's why Nah, makes it such a nice, desirable place to go. Mate, absolutely. I think we'll wrap it up there, Alex, mate. Thank you very much for coming on for a chat and I appreciate you taking the time out and sharing some stories with us. I know you you guys don't have a lot to do at the moment, but still, you know, it's <laughs> uh, it's very nice of you to, to put your hand up and say you'll come on for a chat. Good luck over the next few months, mate, training in isolation and staying motivated and ultimately getting back in the pool soon and trying to secure your spot for Tokyo and Hopefully we get you on for another chat somewhere down the track, mate. But till then, thank you for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. No, absolutely, Robbie. Thanks for having me, mate. Not a trouble at all. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Wow, what a week it has already been so far with both Patria Thomas and Alex Graham coming on the show. Still so much more to come your way through this week with Nick Sloman, Daniel Kowalski, and tomorrow's episode with backstroke short course world record holder and Dolphins team member, Mina Atherton. Also coming out tomorrow will be our first of many Arena Australia giveaways. Very exciting news. Make sure you listen to tomorrow's podcast and stay glued to Facebook and Instagram tomorrow for all the details on what the fantastic prize is from Arena and how you can get your hands on it. Until tomorrow, guys, have a great day. And it's bye for now.